morning once again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Shiloh Chapel again. It is so good to see you all here in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. Agape saturation. Don kept asking me, what's the title of this sermon? And I couldn't tell him yesterday, and I really had to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Ran through a whole bunch of different titles, and just nothing, nothing hit me until this came into my mind this morning. I hope it uh, rings true for you. I hope it is memorable for you. Allow me to ask you a question. Do you know that there are 11 uses, according to the Good Housekeeping website, for a sponge? <laughs> 11 different uses. I even saved the article in here somewhere. But you can imagine all of those things, cleaning. You know, you can use it to, to uh, as a... Uh, Right, to uh, as a protective layer for if, when you're packing valuable items, you can use soft sponges as cushions, if you will. In the ancient world, they used sea sponges. They would put them in their helmets. The Roman soldiers and, and other soldiers put them in their helmets. And there are a lot of other uses, and I won't go into the whole list. But today, I'm hoping that you remember the sponge because I'm hoping that you are like a sponge, absorbing all of God's love so that you are fully saturated with God's love, agape love, so that if someone touches you, God's love spills out. So that if someone harms you, they punch you, what comes out at them in a big splash with, as a saturated sponge full of God's love, what is the splash? is love. That's what they get all over them. They become touched by God's love because you are saturated with God's love. Now see, I've already given you the application of this sermon before I've even gotten started. Maybe I got the cart before the horse here a little bit, but nonetheless, I want you to think about that, and I will probably repeat part of this when I get to the end of it. Everybody with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Short prayer for the Lord. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will help me to speak only what you want me to speak. I pray that these folks hear Jesus and him only, that you will be glorified in this sermon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay. Read with me, if you will. Today we are in the book of Romans. You know what? I'm going to back that up for just a second. I want to do a little introduction. I'm going to be reading from a couple of different versions of the Bible today, and I hope that doesn't throw you for a loop, but I'm going to read from a Bible that I know all kinds of people in here have, which is the NLT, Life Application Bible. Before we get going on the vocal passage today, on the focal passage today, I want to mention that the book of Romans that we are reading from is perhaps the most important book in the Bible. I know that that is 
perhaps uh, debatable to some extent, but it's also called the Constitution of Christianity, and for good reason. And I want to let you know that in the beginning, uh, I want you to know up front that the Life Application Study Bible, which I have recommended many times, there are other excellent study Bibles, ESV Study Bible, the MacArthur Study Bible, um, there's a number of them. But uh, for, since I know many of you have what is the most popular study Bible in all of the English-speaking world, which is the Life Application Study Bible, I am going to mention that Romans, according to their blueprint from the Life Application Study Bible, is sort of divided into two ways. Now, depending on who you listen to, who you read, it's divided certainly more than that. But they, I like this very simple approach. It's divided in the first 11 chapters what to believe, what to believe. And in the, it, from chapter 12 on through the end of the final chapter, chapter 16, how to behave, what to believe, and how to behave. Now, I say it a lot, you've probably heard it a lot, but we speak about, uh, may God control our thoughts, our words, and our actions, or our thoughts, what we think, what we believe, what to believe, our words, and how we behave. It's kind of an easy way to remember how this all works out, okay? So you're with me so far? Say amen. amen. All right. So we're going to get started in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, which is the first chapter of how to behave, how to behave. But before I go there, I want to read to you what I think is a vitally, there's so many vitally important verses in, in Romans. It, we, we could be here a while, and I've already told some people it's going to be a lot shorter this week, I promise. I should probably stop saying that. <laughs> Famous last words. Speaking of that, it's kind of funny. <laughs> last week, uh, we had Pastor Rick get up and speak first, and he was so worried that he couldn't keep himself to, to 10 minutes. He did marvelously. He only went 12. <laughs> Pastor Jim, PJ, he planned on doing what was it? You were planning on doing what, 20, 25 minutes? He went 39. <laughs> I, was, I was supposed to do 10 minutes, and I went like 20-something. You know, and Rick was the one that was worried about running long. <laughs> he nailed it. He was perfect. He really was. He did such a great job. And so did you, pa Pastor Jim. But I want to read Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God, this is from the NLT, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were yet his enemies, depending on which trans, uh, translation you read. I, I just, that just has so much power to me. And in fact, the passage we are reading from today, many people um, memorize this passage, and for very, very good reason. And uh, in fact, I'm convicted to memorize it myself. So let's get right into this. I'm going to close up my NLT here for a moment, but I will come back to it. I think we need a wider podium up here. I'm carrying so much stuff up here. Read with me if you will. Love must be without hypocrisy. 
detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor. Love. Starts right off with love. What do we mean by love? I've heard in the English language, many of us will say, oh, I love a certain kind of pizza. Oh, I love a certain kind of automobile. Or, I love Star Wars. Or, you name it. In English, we mean a lot of different things about love. It's one word that covers lots of different meanings. But in the Greek, there are well, there's a lot of different words for love in Greek. Greek is very precise. But there are four major words for love, which we'll get to. Actually, why don't I just go to it right now? There is eros. Everybody knows what that is. It's where we get the word erotic, which means physical love. And it's not in the Greek New Testament. Okay, uh, And it means literally to grab or to grasp. And the idea behind it is self-satisfaction of the kind I'm sure you understand. Number two is phileo, which we get the word in the name of the city, Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love, as they call it. We also get from it the word philanthropy, which is generous giving for, the, for other people's benefits. And uh, there are a lot of very wealthy philanthropists that are famous for that. And the idea behind that is affection for a friend or another person. The third one that most of you may not be familiar with is called storge. It's pronounced, uh, well, it's the English transliteration, S-T-O-R-G-E, but it's pronounced storge. And it's family love or familial love. Like a parent loves their child or a child loves their parent. It is familial or family affection. Today what we're speaking of is agape love, and I'm quite certain you have all heard of agape love. Agape love is godly love. It's in a class all by itself. And in verse 9, right off the bat, it says, love must be without hypocrisy. Huh? How, how, where, why is hypocrisy coming into this? It's speaking, essentially, he's speaking Paul. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans ahead of the time he's supposed to go to Rome. And he has, like I said, told them all about what to believe and now how to behave. And to really fully understand the context of this, I strongly recommend read Romans. At some point in time, we will get into Romans a lot more deeply. But today, we're just going to cover this part. Agape is godly love. It's in a class by itself, without hypocrisy. Anupokritos is the word here, or we also have it, hupokritos, which is closely a closely related Greek word, which is where we get the hypocrite from. You know this word originally, we think of hypocrite as somebody that's two-faced, right? Isn't that, isn't that right? Well, originally it was simply the word for an actor, because perhaps you've seen film representations of it, in, those, in the ancient days, an actor would hold a mask or two, and so when they were supposed to be showing a certain emotion, they would actually have this mask on a, on a short stick that they would put up in front of their face as they're saying certain lines. And so 
We think of it as two-faced. Somebody that's hypocrite, a hypocrite is two-faced. They say one thing, do another. Well, with good reason. But it originally started out as just somebody who's play-acting, who's pretending to be something that they are not. Okay? And that's where we get it from. Now, it's basically saying in some translations that your love shouldn't be fake. In fact, I think the NLT might even say that. Your love shouldn't be fake. It should be genuine love. It should be authentic love. It should be real love. I can tell you, and you can say an amen to this, some of us sometimes have to fake it till we make it. I use that expression perhaps more often than I should. But there are times that I have to act in love, first and foremost, as we'll get in mention a little later in the sermon, by praying for someone who's not being very nice to me. Anybody ever had to do that? I've had to pray for people who weren't nice to me. And I still do, actually. And it's a good practice, as you'll see. But this is not the kind of love where you're nice to them in their presence, but then gossip about them when they are not present. Gossip. You know that gossip, if you're doing that, you need to repent of it now. What is gossip? It's when you're saying something negative away from the presence of someone else. If you're doing that, you need to stop it now. Do you know why? The very definition of a gossiper, I mean, a gossiper is the very embodiment, the very personification, if you will, or picture of a hypocrite. If you're a gossiper, you're a hypocrite. Ouch. Okay, before you get angry with me, I want you to know I'm preaching this message to me too. Okay, it hits me too. I have been as guilty of this as anyone in this room. But we need to stop it. And it stops today. Okay? You understand? Now let me go back to where I was, because now I'm bebopping all over the place on this sermon. Let's see if I can get back on track. I want you to notice as we go through these verses that there's 13 verses. There's 13 verses in this passage. And you know that in these 13 verses, there are 30, count them, 30 different commands or exhortations, if you will, all of which are acts of love. You know, 1 John 4, 16 says God is love. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him or her. Do you know that? Do you know that? God is love. His very nature is love. We are never more reflective of God's nature than when we are thinking, speaking, and acting in love. Genuine love. Not fake love. Not gossipy love. Not hypocrite love. Genuine love. Okay? Now previously, in the book of Romans, Paul used this word agape differently than he's using it beginning here in chapter 12. In the first 11 verses and chapters, he's speaking of agape as the love of God, love from God, okay? 
But here he begins to use it in a completely different way. He's speaking of agape love, which is from God, but is between human beings. Okay? This is a turning point, don't you think? Don't you think? Now let me ask you, if it's from God, how do you suppose you get this love from God? Huh? How do you get this love from God? Well, for one thing, you accept it. It's there for you. It is available to you through him who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through me. Who said that? Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. You cannot know God's love. You cannot appreciate God's love. You cannot possess God's love. And you cannot be the channel through which God's love God's love flows unless you are in Christ. You must be in Christ. If you are not in Christ, you do not have this privilege. And oh, what a privilege it is. Oh, what a privilege it is. So, God's love. Now, like I said, I got myself a little off track, but I'll get there, I promise. So, Going back to gossiping and hypocrisy. Did I happen to mention that's important? Don't do it. Stop yourself. If you have that habit, stop it now. Otherwise, you are the picture of a hypocrite. You know who else is a picture of a hypocrite? Judas Iscariot. Remember how Judas, after betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, common wage, I mean common amount for a common slave in those days, 30 pieces of silver. And he comes up to Jesus in the garden and with a kiss, gives him a kiss. Jesus was so struck by that, so struck by that, he said, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss. You never are more like the father of lies Satan himself and all of the demons who followed him in warfare against the kingdom of God than when you lie, than when you gossip, when you betray a secret someone has trusted you with. Never. Okay. Now I mentioned that there are 30 different commands, if you will. Well, we're not going to go through all of those. Take a deep breath, relax. I'm not going to go through all of those. But I want you to also notice as we go through these that there are negative commands in comparison. Negative commands begin with don't, okay? So I want you to think of this as a list of do's and don'ts. A list of do's and don'ts. So let's read this slide again, and then we'll start moving on again. Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, stop. What is detest? What's another word for detest? Hate. Hate evil. Now what does it say? Cling. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do you, do you get that? 
Do you make that effort? Do you think of ways of showing honor? Is gossip a way of showing honor? It is not. It is a shameful thing. And we have all at one point in time or another been guilty. But today we can stop it. We can make the decision to stop it today. Next verse, passage. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Notice all the do's and the don'ts. It starts off with a do not. Do not lack diligence. What does that mean? Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. I confess to you that that is one of my natural sins, to be lazy. I have to fight it all the time because I would just as soon kick back and relax in my recliner and do a whole lot of nothing, honey. I, that's all I can say. But you know what? That's not what God's plan is for my life. It's not what God's plan is for your life. Don't be lazy. Next one is be fervent in spirit. What does he mean, be fervent? Get excited. Recognize that you have reason to be excited. To be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Hope. You know what hope is? What is hope? Is it wishful thinking? No, it is not. In biblical speaking, hope is confident expectation. Do you understand what confident expectation is? It means you know something's coming. You're anticipating something good is going to happen. Something great is coming. Why? How can you, how can you be confident of that? It's because of who our faith is in. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. But faith and hope follow pretty close behind, don't they? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. It doesn't say be patient if you're going to suffer affliction, does it? It says be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. What's another word for persistent? Hmm? Anyone? Stick with it. Keep it up. Don't stop. And if you have to, I don't like the phrase, but if you have to, fake it till you make it. Okay? Fake it till you feel it. Do you know they say, in fact, there's Nate Bargatze, one of my favorite comedians, makes a whole, does a whole spiel on how you can trick your brain into being happy. They say that you can be depressed, down in the dumps, and so forth and so on. And if you just make yourself smile, you can trick your brain into being happier. Okay, I'll wipe off the smile. But it's true. It's true. You know? I practice it all the time. You know that some of the most prominent preachers in Christian history suffered from depression? significant, serious, debilitating depression. And they had to do some downtime as a result of it sometimes. But you know what? They recovered. You know how they recovered? By the power of the Holy Spirit. They trusted and hoped in a God that they knew they could trust and place their hope in. 
So be persistent in prayer. Let's move to the next one. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Notice, share with the saints in their needs. Who are the saints? Saints, biblically speaking, are not necessarily the Catholic version where they have to go through a process in the Catholic Church to arrive at sainthood. Biblically speaking, the term saint is anyone who is a believer in and follower of Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, not just the existence of Jesus Christ, but if you believe Jesus Christ, what he says, what he says to do, then you are a believer. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, doing what he says, behaving the way he says, then you are a saint. Good morning, saints. Good morning, saints. It is good to be in the presence of the saints of Christ Jesus. Pursue hospitality. I confess, it's not been one of my things. My form of hospitality is to go someplace and buy a bunch of food and deliver it to somebody who wants, who needs hospitality. Pursue hospitality. Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is to be hospitable? You know, your house doesn't have to be perfectly clean. Some people feel a lot of pressure to have their house perfectly spotless and to have a perfectly, uh, you know, gourmet meal to put out. Nope. Nope. Although it may not be everybody's thing, you know, there are some people that would be greatly comforted by a warm bowl of Campbell's soup and some crackers or some just bread and butter that simple. A simple bag of salad from Hannaford. You know? Hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. What? What? Bless those who persecute me. Think about this. Is that normal and natural for you to bless those who are mean and nasty to you? Now we come back to the sponge. If you are drawing near to the Lord and you are receiving his love, you are recognizing his great love for you even before you loved him, before, the scripture says it plainly, he loved us first. We cannot experience true, genuine agape love, which is selfless love, which is godly love, unless we receive it from him. And we cannot give it to anyone else unless we are actively receiving it from him. It's not a one-time delivery. It's a constantly plugged-in deal. You got that? You with me on that? Say amen. I know we're not a Baptist church per se, but we're getting a little Baptisty here, aren't we? Amen, brother. Amen. amen. <laughs> Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse who? The people who persecute you. It is natural, normal human behavior 
to curse, to hit back. That's not what we're supposed to do. How do we do that? By being full of God's love. The old verse, and I'm now already forgetting it, my cup runneth over. Your cup runneth over. If your cup is overflowing with God's love, and somebody jostles that cup, what spills out of you? God's love. Is that what spills out of you when somebody cuts you off in traffic on the road? God's love. Oh, Lord, bless those people. They must be in a hurry. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If somebody, if you're a sponge full of God's love and somebody pokes you or hits you, what spills out of you? Oh, Lord, bless you. It's not natural. It's supernatural. You know, we've got all kinds of supernatural heroes. They're called superheroes in movies and comic books that have been around for a while. You want to be not just the entertainment level of supernatural. Be filled with God's love. Be filled with God's love. Recognize that he loves you more than you can even imagine. You know that? Do you know that? He loves you more than you can even begin to fathom. Get your fill. That's why he wants us to come and pray. That's why he wants us in his word so that we can know him. And we can pray his word back to him. And you can pray from your own favorite translation this passage we're covering today. Okay? I'm not going to go on a whole lot longer here because as much as I would like to dig really deep into this, I know that you know if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can understand these. And you don't really need me to explain it in depth, though I would love to, and I think you would get a lot out of it. Okay? If you understand the great, magnificent treasure trove of love that is available to you today, right now, you, you know, if you knew that out here in this yard before service today, I buried a lottery ticket that was worth a billion dollars. How many people would be going for their shovel and going out there and looking for that lottery ticket? I showed you a picture of it and said, here it is. Here's all the winning numbers. It's buried out there on the lawn somewhere. All you got to do is go find it. How many of you would be running for your shovels? You'd say, forget the rest of this sermon. I'm gone, buddy. Wouldn't you? The same type of treasure trove is available to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The only access to the Father is through Him. The only access to the indwelling Holy Spirit is through Christ. All right, let's move on. Read with me if you will. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You back up just a minute. Bless those who persecute you. 
bless and do not curse. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you. Is that sinking in? Do you know that he didn't just command it? Let me give you another little reminder. He didn't just command it. He practiced what he preached. He preached the Sermon on the Mount. You know how to find it. You can just Google Sermon on the Mount. It'll show you. You know, I meant to start telling you, when you want to take notes, I'm going to do a little signal like this. Take notes. Take notes. I could have put everything up here on the screen for you, and I think that's good sometimes. But sometimes I want you to take notes. I want you to remember that you can go to the YouTube video later on, and when you see me doing this, you know, stop, get my notebook, take notes. Because I know some of you have been trained in a discipleship program we did here that talks about taking notes on sermons. It's a good practice. But I also know some of you, and I actually heard this from a pastor yesterday, Dan Coffin, in a, a meeting for Paraclete Men's Ministry, said the Lord spoke to him to stop taking notes in a, in a certain person's sermons. He needed to start, just listen, and enjoy the spiritual, biblical feast before him. And that's what he did, and he gained a lot from it. Some people have difficulty taking notes during a sermon. I get that. That's why you can go on Facebook, our Facebook page. Some of you are doing that now as I speak. And you can watch it on Facebook later on. You get to watch the whole sermon on Facebook. I mean, the whole service on Facebook. But if you want the sermons only, the sermons only, you go to YouTube. Shiloh Chapel, Durham, Maine. Go on our Facebook, and you can take notes off of it. You can pause it anytime you want to scribble something down. And yes, you can find my mistakes and come back to me on it and tell me, hey, you made a mistake here. You could spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, so I ask you to be gentle. Be kind. Okay, let's go back to where we were. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do you think Paul put that in there for no reason at all? You know, it can be hard to rejoice with somebody who's gotten a promotion at work ahead of you. But weeping with those who weep, and we know people who have been doing a lot of weeping lately, without question, and for good reason. And we are to weep with them. Now, amongst ourselves, believers, saints here in well, just here at Shiloh. We, I can speak about the church at large, but here at Shiloh. What is it, so how are we supposed to treat each other? How are we we're supposed to be in agreement with each other, right? Does that mean you have to agree on every single thing? No. It's good if you can. It's good if you should. I mean, you should be in agreement as much as possible. But on those things that you can't agree on, where you just, you've discussed it and you just can't, can't completely agree. What do you think this statement is saying? 
You know, you can disagree without being disagreeable. You can disagree without being disagreeable. You got that? All right. Do not be proud. Anybody need an explanation on that? Don't be full of yourself. Don't be a pompous, arrogant windbag like some people might think I am. I hope not. Instead, it says, associate with the humble. Are you too good to spend some time talking with somebody who's wearing dirty clothes? With somebody who maybe doesn't have all their teeth? No, seriously. Who do you feel too superior to spend time talking with? Almost everybody has somebody. <laughs> Speaking of which, while delivering gasoline in some of the larger cities around Maine and New Hampshire, I've had some very interesting characters come up and talk to me. And oftentimes it's street people. And you know what? I have found them to be loving, lovable people. I, one time, feeling very generous and so forth and so on, and this isn't to brag on me, honest, it isn't. I had, uh, Cumberland Farms had just come out with pizza, and I had gotten a Cumberland Farms at one store and was eating it, and I had had my fill. I, it was a big pizza. So I gave the other half of that pizza to a gentleman who was begging for money, and I gave him a $10 bill. Okay, not that big of a deal. So I don't want to hear you singing my praises. Any of us could do it at any time. That guy immediately said, I got to go talk, I got to go talk to my friend. He hasn't eaten in a couple of days. And he skedaddled lickety-split across the road where he went to his friend begging at another convenience store, and, they imme and he immediately began sharing that pizza with his friend. And he gave his friend the $10 bill who went inside that convenience store. I mean, I wish he'd come over to Cumbies, but <laughs> I don't work for them anymore, so it doesn't matter. You understand, this is a man who was living on the street, and he immediately rushed to share that pizza and that money with his friend on the other side of the street. I'll tell you what, even now, it, it, <laughs> it stirs my heart, okay? Do not, at any point in time, think you are better than these people or anyone. You are not. But for the grace of God, you'd be wearing their shoes, okay? Do not be wise in your own estimation. Okay. There we go. Read with me if you will. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. So don't repay evil for evil. What did Jesus do? He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. 
Did he say, you wait, I'm going to be up from this cross in three days. I'm going to be up out of the grave in three days. And when I'm going to be looking for you, pal. He did not. He did no such thing. He did no such thing. If possible, on your part. You know, there are some people you can go to, and no matter what you do, you can't make peace with them. But that's not on you. When you go to them and you make peace with them, you try to make peace with them, and they agree to make peace with you. That is a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. I've had that happen. Have you had that happen? Yeah. Humbly. Don't be full of yourself. Don't be arrogant. Don't consider yourself the smartest person in the room. You probably aren't. If possible, on your part, live at peace. Finally, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, for it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Notice the me. Vengeance belongs to me. It's not me. It's not you. It's capitalized. Part of the reason why I use this translation. In case you hadn't already noticed, I'm partial to trans English translations of the Bible that capitalize the personal pronouns of deity. Who does vengeance belong to? God. Why? Because his vengeance is just. Because only he is holy, holy, holy. Because only he is good. Because only he is righteous. Only his judgment is true and good and right. It's not ours. Now, you stop and think about this. We have movies and TV shows that are full of vengeance. People love vengeance. Hollywood movies are built on it. Ah, I'm going to get them back. Whole movies are built on vengeance. There are country songs built on vengeance. Probably rock and roll, too, I'm not sure. I can't usually understand the words of a lot of rock and roll songs, even though I might like them. But I remember uh, a Kenny Rogers song, Coward of the County. Okay? I used to love that song. To be honest, part of me still does. But the Coward of the County paid him back with vengeance. He beat the tire out of those boys, and while I was listening to that song, I'm going, yeah, baby! You know? In your heart, you know you do too, don't you? You love it when the bad guy gets what's coming to him, don't you? You know what? The Bible says no, ho, no, 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 no. That is not the way to think about it. Stay out of God's way, He will bring vengeance. He will bring vengeance. Unless, of course, if you're praying for your enemy, he might bring mercy. Are you willing to accept that? Are you willing to accept mercy for your enemies from God? I sure hope so. Can you do it normally? Can you do it naturally? No. You can't do it. I can't do it. None of us can do this. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter described Jesus this way. He said, when they hurled insults at him, he, meaning Jesus, did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats, but he entrusted himself to him, God the Father, who judges justly. Only God can judge justly. Now let me ask you, and I'm closing, I really am. Do you think people will notice when you behave like Jesus behaved? You think people will notice? Why do you think they'll notice? Because it's not normal. It's not natural. Not normal. It's not natural. Such behavior isn't part of human nature. It's just not natural to behave like that. In fact, you know what it is? I said it before. I already said it in the opening. It's supernatural. You want to be a superhero? I mean a true superhero. I mean you can put on a cape if you want, if that helps do it for you. You can put on a cape. If you want to be truly supernatural, you will draw in like a sponge all of God's love that he has for you every single day. Like the song says, I need thee every hour. Every hour I need thee. You cannot act supernaturally if you are not in complete connection with the supernatural source, which is God himself. And the only way you can do that is in Christ himself. In scripture and in prayer. Now, I'm going to just move on. And before I close, I want to go back to the beginning of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and then I'm going to close. From the NLT, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, this is, the, this is the key here, and then I'll close with this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's not the way you're used to hearing it, probably. The NLT says it very, very, in very modern, plain English, and it is correct in, in the way it says it. But if you read it from perhaps your favorite translation, it'll sound more familiar to you. Don't copy the behavior. The translation I memorized it from many years ago is, is do not be conformed to the image of this world, but rather be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? The Word of God. You receive it. You believe it. God is love, and His Word is full of just such love. And so that is what I'm closing with today. Are you a sponge? Are you ready to become a sponge if you're not already? Let me tell you, there's nothing greater, more powerful than you can do in this world. You want to see the world change? 
Let God change you. And then let his love ooze from you a a saturated, agape, a saturated sponge. Every time you get touched, bumped, come into contact with anything, you know what comes out of a saturated sponge every time it's touched? If it's saturated with agape love from God, every single encounter you have with another human being, they get a little dose, a little wetness of agape love. Think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this message, for your wonderful word of God, and above all, for the love that is your very nature that you pour out for us. I ask, Lord, that you help everyone who has heard this message to remember that sponge. Or as a friend of mine likes to say, we're drain pipes for Jesus. We're not supposed to be hoarding love. We don't, we're not a tank. We're not tanks. We're not jugs to be hoarding love. The love of God is supposed to be flowing through us. We are drain pipes for Jesus. We are sprinkler systems for Jesus. Father, I pray that you make those pictures sink in and help your people, your saints in Christ Jesus, to be full to overflowing like that cup I spoke of earlier, so that every little jostle, every little thing, what spills out is your love. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.